the stars, and on earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the power of heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things take place, stand up, raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of this life, and that the day catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place as you stand before the Son of Man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. and in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Happy Advent 1. I'm sure you're feeling very happy after those readings. <laughs> Uplifting. So we do begin Advent. Um, as you know, this is a time of preparation and meditation. It is a time of penitence. Uh, and our temptation is to think, yes, of course we're preparing because Christmas is coming and that takes lots of preparation um, to celebrate again the coming of the light of Christ into the world. And so we prepare for that. But that's actually not the thing for which we're preparing at the very beginning of Advent. The first two weeks actually are more geared towards and focused on the second coming of Christ, um, which there's a myriad of things that that means. And so whether you're really hooking into the corporal bodily return of Jesus of Nazareth, or you're thinking more about the daily return of Christ in our lives, that's really where we are this week and next week. And it's on the heels of Christ the King Sunday. You know, last Sunday we celebrated, yay, Christ is going to reign, it's going to be wonderful, woohoo, and then we pivot this week and say, Christ is coming, we got to get ready for that, right? Uh, sort of the oh, oh my goodness moment of it. Uh, and I will confess to you that when I get to these weeks, and, and it happened anew this week, when I read the readings that are assigned for Advent 1 and 2 and think about um, the passages in Scripture that talk about the return of Christ, um, I, I, I get a little twitchy um, because it's not my favorite. And this is why. It's, it's not my favorite because of the ways that those passages have been used by a particular brand of theology. Uh, most especially in the, in the United States and American theology, um, but certainly the roots throughout uh, the history of Christianity, and that is that many of these second coming texts have been used to scare the Jesus into you. All right? <laughs> scare the devil out, scare the Jesus in. That by um, 
Focusing on the eschaton, eschaton sort of refers to, to end time, and usually when we're talking about the second coming of Christ, of final things, um, that these passages are, are, we think of like the Left Behind series, and you know, if you, if you really believe hard enough, you'll be one of the ones that is taken up in the rapture and you won't be left behind. My great aunt very much lived in this world. Um, she, she very much believed in all of that uh, and was terrified all the time because it was so much a part of her theology. It frightened her constantly. Uh, there, it, it was always colored slightly with a slight confidence that she would be included in the 144,000 that is referenced in the book of Revelation. Um, but, but always the chance that she might not be, she was always slightly afraid, and slightly is an understatement. Uh, so much so that everything was a harbinger of bad news in the end times arrival. For instance, one year the pine beetle got in all the pine trees in her backyard, so all the trees in her backyard died, so therefore Jesus was coming. Okay. <laughs> Once a month, we just knew Jesus was coming back. And that was told to us for fear. For that's the sign, you better get your act together, young lady. Right? Now, I have to admit my act wasn't that unruly in the first place. But, but you know, uh, you know uh, somebody gave me a, a, a magnet one time and it said, Jesus is coming, look busy. <laughs> So it's sort of with that intent that my great aunt would say to us, you know, the trees are dying in my backyard. Jesus is coming. In other words, be afraid. Get ready. Um, I, I hear that, and I understand that, and I, I am certainly familiar with that thread of theology that's very much a part, especially in the United States, of uh, Christianity. But I have to admit that I find that inconsistent, that, that concept of scaring the Jesus into you because of this negative reading of eschatological and apocalyptic texts, I find that inconsistent with the Jesus of the gospel narrative, this loving, uh, all-encompassing, unconditional Christ. Like, I just find that inconsistent with that. So I get kind of twitchy when I read these um, because I'm uncomfortable with the way th these passages have been used. What I'm hearing this week, I will tell you, um, in our texts, uh, are the words that Jesus says, stand up and raise your heads. Stand up and raise your heads. It's interesting that passages such as this have been used to sort of frighten us, but what is it that Jesus is really saying? Or at least I'll tell you what I hear Jesus saying this week in our selection, that is that there's chaos in the world, um, so much so that people are terrified of it and are terrified to the point that they believe the end time is coming, whatever that looks like, whether that is um, Jesus coming again or whatever their belief system entails, people are terrified and, and are um, running around in fear. And Jesus says to his disciples, in the midst of that fear and of that chaos, stand up and raise your heads. He doesn't say go run and hide. And he's talking to his disciples, his followers, who are about to witness. Now, this is the end of Luke. So we, we start the liturgical calendar by going to the end. It's the end of Luke. He's talking to his followers who are about to see him arrested and tortured and tried and crucified. They're about to live through chaos. For this group of people, the end is about to happen. The end of everything that they have spent the past, some of them, three years, Investing in this person that they think is the Messiah that will bring a new reign on earth and will liberate 
all of those who have been persecuted, they're about to experience all of that crumble before them as Jesus hangs, except the women. The women don't go anywhere. The women stay and watch as Jesus undergoes all of this and remain at the foot of the cross to cry. And I think the reason when everyone else scatters that the women are the ones who stay is because women in the time of Christ knew that you could survive chaos. They knew it wasn't the end because they had lived through and were living through being ignored and downtrodden and persecuted and forgotten and abused verbally, spiritually, physically. They, they lived in chaos, many of them, and so they knew it did not kill them. They knew it wasn't the end, so they knew they could survive this. They knew they could stand at the foot of the cross, stand up, and raise their heads. And I think that in this season of Advent, when we read these texts about the end time or these predictions about the coming of Christ, it is very tempting to be as so many of Christ's disciples and say the sky is falling and get caught up in the chaos and go running or hide under a rock or deny that anything is wrong. See Peter. That, that's quite a temptation in the midst of all of this. But Jesus is calling us again to our very belief in the power of him. In the midst of that chaos, to stand up and raise your heads. Now, In this life, there is great chaos. We can turn on any number of news channels that is happy to show us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, just how terrible it is. That it's chaos and horrible and we're all in a handbasket going straight to hell. Or maybe we're already in it, depending on which channel I suppose you're watching. And we can be quite overwhelmed in all of that. I know I've become overwhelmed. There's a reason why I don't watch TV. Um, and in Advent season, by looking at these prophecies and what Scripture has to tell us and Jesus has to say, I hear Jesus saying again, don't forget. Don't forget me. Don't forget that love always wins. Always wins. Don't forget don't forget that torture, injustice, that corruption and hatred put me on a cross to die the most excruciating death you can imagine in full humiliation and rejection and having been betrayed. And death took me, but it still did not win. Love did. Don't forget that. Don't forget that, my children. 
So when the world around you is crying, the sky is falling, stand up and raise your heads because you know it doesn't conquer all. Only I do. Only the love of Christ does. Now, the temptation can be then, well, I believe in Christ. I'm quite confident uh, and I'm not afraid. So therefore, I'm going in full denial mode and everything is totally fine. Or worse, it doesn't matter therefore what I do because the great janitor Jesus is going to come and sweep up the floor. Like the petulant teenager in the classroom who is making a craft that cuts all the little pieces of paper and just leaves them on the ground. They know better, right? Notice I didn't say second grader. We're still learning at this point. But that just kind of leaves the stuff everywhere because somebody's going to come up after. It's their job. They get paid for it. Oh, how many times have I heard that? And so sometimes the temptation can be that we just kind of live in that. So what difference does it make what I do? Because Jesus is going to come and clean it up all anyway. Or, it's all going to be fine in the end run. I don't have to look at it. No. No. To stand up is not to be still. To stand up and raise your head is not to be inactive. It is not to hide out. It is not to be immobilized. It is not to be paralyzed. It is not just to stand and say, it's going to be fine. No. Because the temptation to that is to say that therefore the chaos isn't real. That pain doesn't happen, that heartbreak doesn't happen, that we don't get hurt all the time, that the world isn't swirling around us and people are dying every day from unjust causes. That the temptation is to look at all that and say, it's not real. Jesus is coming, he'll fix it. No, that is not to stand up and raise our heads. In this season of Advent, we are called to preparation. So to stand up, is to live fully into our call as disciples to be people of compassion, which is love in action, not love in inaction. How do we stand up and raise our heads when the world around us is saying, <laughs> by standing up and saying, yes, it is. We stand up and we say, yes, there is chaos. Yes, the sky is falling. I cannot lie to you and say that it's not. Yes, your heart will be broken. Mine has been again and again, is almost daily. Yes. You think Christ wasn't? Yes. I see it. I see that going on around me, and yet I stand and raise my head because I know it's not the end. I know it doesn't win. And so that means I can do something. The daughters of the king and their motto has one of my favorite lines. I am one, but I am one. So no, I can't hold the whole sky up, but I can do something. Because that's what it means to stand up in the midst of the chaos, fully in the belief and love of Jesus Christ, to stand in that swirling chaos, whirlwind, tornado, sadness, heartbreak, and say, yes, but I can do something even as my heart is breaking, because I know it's not forever. I know that Easter Sunday comes. And times of preparation means standing up and saying, I can do this thing. One thing. One thing. In the midst of all that is terrible to make the kingdom real, even if it's for one moment, for one person, in one place. Because Jesus says to me, stand up and raise your head. 
Do not let your belief in the power of Christ lull you into apathy. Do not let it trick you into denial. But instead, let it empower you to be agents of the love of Christ in a world that is starving for it. Because chaos indeed swirls around us, and Jesus needs agents of peace who don't run away from it, but run into it. Who know how to stand at the foot of the cross, because we've done it again and again, all the time. So I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it. It might hurt me, and I might not live to see the final peace but I'm not afraid of it because Jesus tells me, stand up and raise your head. You know it doesn't win. So this Advent, my brothers and sisters, how will you stand up and raise your head? How do you answer this call of Christ to be people of peace in a chaotic world? Don't think I need to say, just how much that's needed. Amen.